Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali and I, are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. So today we're going to be doing 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to be finishing up uh, 1 Peter today. And then tomorrow our schedule calls for us to go back to the Old Testament and we'll be studying the book of Amos. And I'm excited about that too because um, I've never studied Amos. So I'll be looking forward to uh, doing that with all of you as well. But today we're finishing up. First Peter, and you know, as we finish up First Peter, one of the things um, I'm just going to have to confess is that I think I'm always going to remember um, when I read First Peter. I'm always going to remember going through First Peter with you um, during this pandemic, during this coronavirus, and it's interesting that God has let us go through First Peter during this coronavirus. Because it's so much of First Peter is talking about what happens when you suffer. And he calls us to be good uh, because of Jesus Christ from what he has done for us. And, uh, and when we go through trials, uh, when we go through trials, we're not going through trials as ourselves. We're going through trials in Christ because Christ has called us to be in Him. He has called us to, to, um, to overcome this world. And as First Peter starts off uh, back in chapter 1, he's directing this letter to the ex- elect exiles of the dispersion in all these uh, provinces up there in Asia Minor. And, you know, they're exiles. They may think they're... Um, Maybe they've been in captivity. Maybe they've, you know, been political prisoners due to the Roman Empire, or they're spread all over the place. But they may be physically exiled. They may be spiritually exiled. In other words, the people who are Christians are now living sort of as minorities, you know, um, because the Roman Empire was not was considering them outlawed. The Christians were exiled from the spiritual religious uh, folks during the time because they were basically rejecting the Roman gods, all of that. They're, they're, uh, 
sort of political exiles in the point that they, although they obeyed the law, <clears throat> their higher authority wasn't the wasn't Caesar. Their higher authority was God, was uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, and so <clears throat> the dispersion reference back in chapter one. I'll just always remember is that is that you know. The dispersion means uh, God dispersed His people where He wants them. His people are where He wants them, when He wants them, um, and at the exact time that He wants them. So it's not random chance even today that you're where you are and who you are. God's put you there. He's put you with the friends and the family that you're there for a reason. Your life has purpose. It's God's purpose. It's not your purpose. It's God's purpose. Now, again, He didn't create an army of robots. He didn't create you just to, uh, you know, never make decisions about your own life. But he, but what Peter is telling them is there, he's writing this letter to, to folks to let them know that God knows each one of them. God is personal. God is in control. God is sovereign. God has put people where He wants them in the time of history when He wants them for His grace and His purposes. And so Peter uh, begins to uh, let them know that the, the biggest thing that they, can, they have when they're going through trials is their faith. And so, you know, when we go through all this uh, with coronavirus and the worldwide pandemic and, and even more, you know, just our own personal trials and tribulations, First Peter kind of reminds me, uh, chapter 1, reminds me of James, chapter 1. It's talking about the various trials and tests that will come, and it's there, it, there, it is there for a reason, to test our faith to, as Peter says, it's like testing by fire. It's to refine our faith because we are called, as he says uh, in chapter 2, to not only be good in chapter 1, but to start doing good. And he um, alludes to that fact back in chapter 1. He said, but as he is in chapter 1, verse 15, as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So he calls us to be good, then he calls us to do good. And then as he starts, um, he just starts this whole letter on, this, on um, examples of, being good. And first, he tells people to put away all their pride, their malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. All these things that weigh people down from being good. And he wants, he encourages people to to be free, to do good. And he points as an example you know, you've got all these examples of being good, but his ultimate example is Christ in doing good. Christ came to do good uh, and honor his Father. And then as he, as he drills down, 
to examples of how we can be more like Christ. One thing that was really standing out in verse 3, he's talking about relationships of husbands and wives, but he talks about this non-vocal ministry. You know, you can win someone over without an argument or without words. You don't have to even win someone over by your own ability to say the right thing at the right time. He says you can be you can win someone over without a word by the conduct, by your own conduct. And McGee called that a non-vocal ministry or a sermon without words. And so a wordless you can preach a wordless sermon to others all around you. And it's almost like we've got two ministries, uh, uh, a nonverbal ministry with your actions as you do, and then also a ministry of what you say. But sometimes this doer's ministry, this nonverbal ministry, is even more powerful than, than anything you can say because it's what you do that matters. So, Peter talks about husbands and wives and how that looks. And um, ultimately, he talks about the relationship that we have with everyone. And the ultimate relationship, again, is Jesus Christ. And then uh, chapter 4, he points to, to Christ's suffering. Because again... This whole chapter started out with what to do when you go through various trials. And so he talks about Christ's suffering. So that wherever you, whenever we go through, you know, and we're trying to do good, whether we speak, whether it's our speaking ministry or our nonverbal ministry or how we serve. So it's whether you you have your verbal ministry or your serving ministry or your ministry through suffering. You know, you go through things. You go through things and it's if you're suffering, do so in the spirit. Don't do so in the flesh. Do so in the spirit because Christ suffered in the spirit. And it's like it's not if. Suffering may come to you. It's when, because as Christ said, no servant is above their master. So if the master has to suffer, the servant will have to suffer too, because it's refining your faith. Just as Christ had to suffer and then die, you have to suffer and then die. Why? Because Christ is raised from the dead, you will be raised from the dead. And then Christ is glorified, then you will be glorified. So so when he says he's the way, the truth, and the life, and the way, it's only by following Christ. So when we suffer, we suffer like Christ. Doing good in the Spirit means you don't have to do good in yourself. So whether you... Uh, speak, serve, or suffer. Do so in the Spirit, not in yourself. Because if you do so in yourself, you're doing so depending on yourself, and that is a form of pride. And so, Paul, here we are now with all that in mind, with all that kind of a, an overview. We start chapter 5 as we end First Peter. And again, 
we are ending First Peter in the middle of a pandemic. So this is really uh, very um, poignant for us today because we're all suffering together in this pandemic, so to speak. So let's see what Peter says to us. Chapter 5, verse 1, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ. So he's saying, look, I'm encouraging all of you as a fellow elder. Okay, so he Peter now refers to himself as an elder in the church. Number one, he's old. But number two, he's probably got uh, a leadership status in the church. And the early church, my study Bible says that the early church leaders were all referred to as elders. So Peter is a leader. And he's saying, um, he's talking now to the leaders as a fellow leader and witness of the suffering of Christ. Okay, so he's he's seen what Christ has done and had to go through, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. So in other words, he's seen Christ suffer. He's gone through the sufferings, but he's a partaker in the glory. So this is going to result in glory. So this suffering, he's already... He just connected suffering, that what they may be going through, to suffering from what Christ went through. But also, he connects this suffering from what the from the glory that Christ will receive when he overcame his sufferings, and then also the connection is is the glory that every each one of them will receive in us too the glory that we will have when we overcome our sufferings through Christ. Okay? He says, shepherd the flock. So he's telling them now, he's encouraging them to shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So when when he's telling people to lead, when he's telling people to lead others who are suffering as well, he's saying, look after people willingly, eagerly, and setting your own example to them. That's how you're supposed to do it. So in other words... Go through this suffering with the right mind, with the right attitude, with the mind of Christ, with the attitude of Christ. Nobody wants a servant who's a who's a um, a grumbling servant. Remember, Peter is telling them that God is calling us to to be good. That's through Jesus Christ. And then to do good. And that's through Jesus Christ. Okay? So when we do good, we're doing good in Jesus Christ, not in ourselves. Because if we're in ourselves and we got our own agendas, we're not going to serve willingly. And we're not going to serve eagerly. And we're not going to serve as a good example. 
because we're not serving in Christ. We have to, we have to, we can't serve in ourselves. We have to serve in Christ. And so that's, he's, he's sort of setting out that example on an even higher level here about being good. The attitude of being good. Verse 4, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. In other words, this glory comes after the suffering. For us, just like it came for Christ. Verse 5, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you. With what? Humility towards one another. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So when you're doing good, you're doing good in Christ, and you're doing good in Christ's humility. That's how you do good. You can't do good like with your own pride in there. You, you have to have humility. The humility of Christ. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then he says it again in verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Now that's a big, powerful thing, to humble yourself in that way. It's under God's hand that you humble yourself. And you're not humbling yourself for any other reason. You're not humbling yourself on your own. You're humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time He may exalt you. You're giving God the opportunity to lift you up. And that was back in James chapter 1. He was saying that he uh, considered the lowly brothers uh, blessed because he will have the ability to be lifted up in the the, the the wealthy brothers should consider the fact that God's going to use their position to humiliate them. He's going to bring them down because they have to be completely dependent on God. So he's using the he, so he uses our humility so that we can be exalted by him, just as Christ was allowed to be humble. Christ was humble in every way, and then He humbled Himself even more physically on the cross so that God could exalt Him too. And then in verse 7, it's, it's an interesting point here. Uh, Casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. So, in other words, these worries that we have when we go through suffering, they're very real. Like coronavirus is very real. And, you know, we're all worried about it. We're all anxious about it. But Peter is saying, he's talking about anxieties when he's talking about humility. And if you're not humble, if you are living with your own pride, and if you don't humble your own pride before God under the mighty hand of God, if you don't, if you don't completely humble yourself, you're still going to worry about stuff. Why? Because worry is a form of, of pride. 
right? Worry is just leftover pride that you hadn't dealt with. Anxiety is just leftover pride that you hadn't dealt with. And we see all these people say, I'm depressed and I'm stressed and I'm worried and I'm anxious, you know, and it's a medical disease and therefore, you know, it's not my fault, blah, blah, blah. But I wonder how many of those people have truly been unable to humble themselves to God. Because if we humble ourselves to God and we truly give God everything that we have, what worry is there left? So he's saying, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. In other words, let yourself let go of your worry about what you want and what you don't have or what may happen to you. Let go of all of that because you may be going through some suffering right now or you may be going through some trial right now or some pandemic right now. But God's going to take care of you, but He's going to take care of you at His timetable, at His proper time. He will exalt you. So don't worry that he hasn't changed things for you. It may not be this week, this month, or this year. Or it may not be this lifetime. But at God's proper time, you will be exalted. So when we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, he says in verse 7, casting all your anxieties on him. Because He cares for you. Okay? So throw your anxieties on Him. Be completely humble. Not prideful. If you have to suffer in the Spirit, suffer in the Spirit. Not in yourself. Not in your pride. So someone who is in the Lord Jesus doesn't need to walk around anxious or worried or stressed or depressed. You've got to give it to Him. Be sober-minded, okay? So now he's still talking about our attitude and our mind here, our mindset. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. So in other words, sober-minded means we need to be alert. We need to be oriented. We need to be watchful. Why? Because there is a spiritual battle going on right now. And you're most vulnerable when you're down in the dumps. You're most vulnerable when you're suffering. You're most vulnerable when you're on the weak side of life. Now, suffering is good that it refines your faith. Peter's been talking about that. But it's almost like a little sober warning here at the very end that your faith is good, suffering is good in the fact, and you're, you can rejoice in so much as you know that it's going to make you stronger in your faith. You're not just rejoicing because bad things are happening. But he says, you've got to be watchful because there is a spiritual battle going on when you're suffering, and 
your adversary, your opponent, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. He's saying you're not alone. That's what he's saying right here. Be uh, be alert. Be watchful. And know that there's a spiritual battle going on for your soul. And when you're suffering, you're vulnerable. But the thing about it is, is you don't suffer by yourself. You're not alone. Your brotherhood throughout the world are connected with you through Christ. So don't worry. Give your anxieties to God because He cares for you. You are not alone. And be alert when you're going through things. Because the devil always wants to devour you. And after, and then... Verse 10, it's like we have a resolution now. After you've suffered, okay, so now we're, we've been talking a lot in verse Peter about going through trials and tests and suffering. And now he says, after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So sometimes we have to go through suffering. Now, whatever we go through is just a little while compared to eternity. So Peter is trying to give you perspective here. And that with coronavirus, yep, we're going to suffer. Some of us are going to get sick. And some of us may actually get sick and not recover. But cast your worries on the Lord because he cares for each one of us. And no matter what we're going through, whether it's coronavirus or other things, we don't need to have anxiety because we have the Lord. And sometimes we suffer for a long time. Sometimes we suffer for a little time. But it's all a little time compared to eternity from God's perspective. So after that time of suffering... We are restored. God Himself, the God of all grace, will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And then He says, To Him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So Peter is giving God all the glory. Uh, as we go through things, as we go through our trials and our tribulations, we give God the glory. And then he says, by Sylvanus, a faithful brother, as I regard him, I've written you, I've written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. So your faith is how you stand firm. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Now, she who is in Babylon is maybe talking about the church in Rome, because Babylon was destroyed by now. Greet one another with a kiss. Peace to you all who are in Christ. I hope this study was helpful to you. God bless you all. 
as you stand firm in Christ through any kind of suffering, God calls you to to be good and He calls you to do good. And you do good. When you do good, do it in the Spirit. Whether you speak, serve, or suffer in the Spirit, do so in the Spirit, not in yourself, not in your pride. So for me to all of you, God bless you. I'll see you next time tomorrow as we study Amos. Now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, God bless you all. Take it away. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning at verse 1 all the way to verse 13. So today we're concluding our study in the book of 1 Peter. And it's been an exciting and very interesting and informative um, study. Uh, You know, considering the times that we're in right now, you know, there's the whole pandemic and all. And, you know, this is, um, you know, an an epistle of hope. And um, it's been very, very... um, informative uh, with regards to the situation that we currently are facing. So here we have the suffering and the second coming of Christ. That's what we have in the in chapter 5. And, um, you know, the Christian life begins with the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ for us on the cross. So he, you know, he died for us on that cross. He, um, you know, that penalty of sin he carried for us on the cross so you know and then there is the suffering of God's children today because he uses this in our lives to make us the kind of Christians that he can actually use and he wants and he uses suffering to actually develop us as Christians in order to you know um, be perfect in order to achieve perfection so um this particular chapter is divided like so. So from verses 1 to verse 4, we have suffering produces service and hope. And we have the suffering of Christ in the past, the present suffering of the saints. That's the method um, used by God for his children. And then we have the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'll begin reading at verse 1 of First Peter chapter 5. And it reads, The elders who are among you, I exhort, I am. Uh, I, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. So Peter here starts by asserting his position as an elder. So he he doesn't even call himself an apostle. Um, he calls himself an elder. And, you know, there were other elders because he, he's identifying himself with the other elders. So there were other elders as well. So the word elder, you know, in different contexts, in, in different contexts can mean different things. Uh, you know, it can mean like an older person. And, but in this particular context here, the word elder means shepherding. So he called himself an elder. He never claimed, you know, a superior place above his brethren. And on this basis, he exhorts himself. Oh, sorry, he exhorts them, the other elders, and he was in a unique position, and uh, he was a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. So the glory uh, in the next epistle of Peter, that's in um, Second Peter, shall be identified that he was uh, a witness of this also. 
and this was on the Mount of Transfiguration. He saw him die on Calvary, that he saw the Lord Jesus Christ die on Calvary, and he saw him transfigure on the Mount of Transfiguration. However, there is a glory that's coming um, in the future that's greater than, you know, the transfiguration of um, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to share in that glory. So uh, verses 2 goes on to read, um, Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Verse 3 goes on to read, Nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Verse 4 goes on to read, And then the chief shepherd appears, and you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. So here we've read from verses um, 2 to verse 4. So starting at verse 2, it suggests that, you know, one who is an elder occupies the place um, you know, of a bishop and never, you know, is it used in, you know, a singular, it's always, you know, in plural, it's always elders. So it's, it's the elders, they occupy um, the position of a bishop. So it means a shepherd of a flock and it suggests, you know, it suggests provision, protection, supervision, um, discipline, instruction, and direction. And this uh, ministry is to be performed in, you know, a very positive way, but also he gives, you know, a negative injunction. And it is also to be done for the right reasons, you know, in order for you to occupy this particular position of eldership or, you know, in the right spirit. Not because, you know, they must do it, but because, you know, they, they freely actually choose to do it. Not because, you know, you're saying, oh, because no one else will do it, so I will do it. No, you have to be willing to do it. So do it willingly. And God doesn't want you to take an office in the church, you know, on an unwilling position. You know, you have to be willing. You have to choose to actually do it. So they must be the right reason and spirit. And they freely choose to do it with the right motive. You know, not for material gain, but just for the delight of doing it. You know, you have nowadays people take up the position of an elder in a church because they want to gain, you know, that material benefit or they want, you know, like, oh, hey, I have to be recognized in society. You know, they do it for the right, wrong reasons, for gain and not just willing to do it. And, you know, not just for the sheer delight of it. So verse three had actually uh, stated, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. So here, you know, it must be done in the right manner to take up that position of an elder, not, you know, driving, but leading. You know, you have to be a leader, not a boss. So it's a work that one has to be an example to the flock, you know, be an example to the flock. You're not the boss. Verse 4 had read, um, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. So here, um, it, you know, in other words, it must be done with the proper awareness that um, in it they serve the chief shepherd, you know, that they serve uh, the Lord, whom they are answerable 
um, that he will himself reward service with rewards that are eternal. So Christians don't work for nothing. They work for God. So they must do it in the right spirit because we're working for the almighty God and look to him for a reward someday. Don't go about it saying, oh, hey, I'm working. You guys have to pay me and all. That's why it has to be done for the right reasons and not for material gain. Um, and, you know, because we're working for the for, for uh, God and we ought to seek a reward uh, from him someday. So here it t- talked about a crown that doesn't fade away um, as a reward. So it says um, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. So there are many crowns that are mentioned in scripture. So there's the crown of life that's given. There's a crown of righteousness. And now here um, scripture is talking about the crown of glory. So what is the crown of glory? So here it basically means, you know, someday we're going to share in his glory. And what is glory? So glory has a shape, it has a size, it has a color. So, you know, if you just look around at the universe around, you know, you walk outside at night and just look into the sky, you see all those beautiful dotted shiny little dots up in the sky you see the moon shining you know on one side you see uh the planet venus you know the flickering away um you know that is glory um you know like um during um like the summer here you know after after the rains are gone and all you know you have all these flowers springing up you know you have the green grass you have the beautiful shaded trees you know if you just look around you know the greatness of um the universe um, just the greatness of, of, of our surrounding, the greatness of our God is glory. So, you know, you see the universe around us, the stars, the sky, and the skies above at night, and, you know, the beautiful flowers that actually bloom around us. This is glory. Glory has size. Glory has color. Glory has shape. And, you know, we're going to actually one day share in um, this glory. Um, he's going to give a crown of glory to his own so um here he's called the chief shepherd and um he's also called the good shepherd he's called the chief shepherd um so first he's called the good shepherd um because he gives his life to the sheep and we find this in psalms 22 and um he's also called the great shepherd um of the sheep because he watches over the sheep, and that's in Psalms 23. And then uh, he's also called now the chief shepherd, and um, this is in Psalms 24. And that's when he appears, and someday our great shepherd will appear, and he will have his flock, that's the church, um, and we will be members of that flock. Isn't that great? So verse 5 of First um, Peter chapter 5 goes on to read, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So a Christian young person should submit themselves unto the, their elders. Um, you know, you submit yourselves like unto your parents if, if, you, if you've got godly parents and all because... After all, you know, our parents know it know best. They are older than us and they have lived longer than us, you know, just like the elders, you know, they've passed through life experiences. Um, so let's submit ourselves to, um, you know, the elders. Yes, all of us must be submissive to one another. 
um, here like scripture says yes all of you uh, be submissive to one another so here um, believers should not try to just insist on having their way over others and here it says and be clothed with humility for god resists the proud and gives grace to the humble so here you know we are in um, the section where suffering produces humility so um you know as 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 christians we ought to be humble and practice in light of the coming of christ so a proud person will not be able to actually experience the grace of god so let's be humble humility is everything um verse six goes on to read therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of god that he may exalt you in due time so here humility should be the attitude of a child of god because christ is the one who will establish justice and make things right when he comes for you know we can't actually straighten out the world on our own um you know people have tried you know there's all these um organizations set up for peace and all but at the end of the day there's so much injustice in the world and only the lord jesus christ can come and straighten everything here verse 7 goes on to read casting all your care upon him for he cares for you so here you know this is anxiety and uh, scripture uh, is um, the lord jesus christ and scripture says come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden i will rest you so um you know take your burden of sin to him and he will save you and later on go back to him with all your problems and he will answer you so worry about nothing but pray about everything paul had actually said this to the philippians you know take all to the lord in prayer and leave it there don't come back with it just leave it there the lord will handle it so verse 8 goes on to read be sober be vigilant because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour so here you know sober here in this instance you know it means you know drink no wine we had actually talked about it in verse two uh sorry in verse yeah in chapter two verse seven it says sober-minded that was be uh, an intelligent christian but here be sober means um drink no wine so here um be vigilant meaning be alert you know the devil is loose in the world today he is everywhere in the world today um verse 9 goes on to read resist him steadfast in the faith knowing that the same suffering are experienced sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world so here this is a picture of um you know um of an army that's standing against um, an enemy and we should stand with other believers you know as we can't resist the devil by ourselves we need you know the armor of god not only do we need the armor of god actually we also need other believers to actually stand by us to stand with us and fight to resist um the devil verse 10 goes on to read but may the god of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by christ jesus after you have suffered a while perfect establish strengthen and settle you so here we have no glory in ourselves so the church is like the moon which reflects the light of the sun so it's only reflected glory but we will share in this glory you know if we trust unto the lord and um 
So verse um and and here um actually the points that are listed here are you know he will perfect us so he will make us perfect he will establish us strengthen us and he will settle us so settling us he will meaning he will restore us verse 11 goes on to read to him be the glory and um the dominion forever and ever amen so here ends you know our our, our study and you know uh peter adds a ps to it um and it reads by C Sylvanus, our faithful brother, as I considered him, I I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. So Sylvanus wrote this, and verse thirteen goes on to read, um, she who is in Babylon. So here, Babylon means Babylon. Uh, elects together with you greets you and so does mark my son verse 14 goes on to read greet one another with a kiss of love peace to you all who are in christ jesus amen so you know the kiss of love let's shake hands today you know rather let's bow or i don't know do with the leg kick or whatever it is we're doing because we're trying to avoid um you know the pandemic that we're facing right now but amazing study it's been a great amazing study eye-opener and it's been um just the right um, epistle for the right situation that we are in right now so yeah this is um this was the book of first peter the apostle of faith hope rather and um you know i have enjoyed it i hope you all enjoyed it as much as i did thank you all for listening in god bless have a pleasant monday stay safe stay healthy bye bye and um see you tomorrow bye